Welcome to Kim Knows Nothing. Okay. That's Kim over there. Hi. And uh, Kim. Introduce. That's Stacy over there. There it is. You do such a good job. Thanks. Of introducing me. Well, then how do I get introduced? I introduce myself. And you do a great job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here at Kim Knows Nothing, I think you know the drill. This is a part two of a two-part episode. So listen to the first one. Don't come in here like, oh, I just want to. I want the latest and greatest. Yeah, you're gonna miss stuff. So yep. many in- inside jokes were created in this last episode. Oh yeah, laugh a minute. Yep, and you're gonna come in here trying to come into our house. Yeah, and only listen to the second half. We appreciate you listening anyway, but we would like it if you would listen to the first part. Listen to part one. You're gonna hear about deaths at Disneyland. <laughs> Yep, there it is. <laughs> in part one, we talked about seven of the 11 deaths. And in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the last four. Nine, so, 10, and eight. Oh, eight, nine, 10, 11. Eight, nine, 10, and 11. Good math. Thank you. It was rough going. So good. <laughs> it didn't start great. <laughs> um. All right. So I guess we'll just get right into it, huh? Let's do it. So last time we talked about seven deaths at Disneyland that were officially caused by either a ride or, in another case, by one part guest stabbing another. <laughs> Kim laughs at this. Not funny. Well, no. Don't be grabbing. I mean, he didn't deserve to die. But no. First of all, don't be grabbing ass. Right. Good call. Second of all, don't carry a knife yeah. into Disneyland. I know. Two bad things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so far, we have the death of Mark Maples in 1964 on the Matterhorn, the 1966 death of Thomas Cleveland trying to climb onto the monorail, the 1967 death of Rick Yama on the People Mover, the 1973 drowning of Bogdan De La Rowe in the Rivers of America. That one's the saddest for me, I think. I don't want to like measure one death against the other. That makes no. me feel gross. But that one is... Especially heartbreaking. Helping his little brother try to swim. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's the 1974 death of Deborah Stone in an old exhibit called America Sings. No, wait. Maybe that. I don't know. That one's. They're all all pretty sad. They're all really sad. The 1980 death of Gerardo Gonzalez, again on the People Mover. And then the 1981 death of Mel Yorba, who was stabbed and murdered in Tomorrowland. And that homicide sparked public outcry and suddenly deaths at the park were becoming more public concern. So let's get into uh, the eighth death, which would be 1983. So uh, this death is two years after that stabbing in 81, and it's Mm -hmm. again uh, the Rivers of America that is the cause. And also, yes. Rivers of America is still there. Never mind. It's still there. Something very stupid. Like, is it still there? (laughs) Well, People Mover isn't there. People Mover is not there, but the tracks are there. Yeah. And also, especially dumb considering how often I go to Disneyland that that thought was even in my head. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't ever know. You know, it doesn't really look like a river. It looks like a big lake with an island in the middle. So I was probably just thinking be... about snacks. About what? <laughs> snacks? I think you said snags? No. Just thinking about snacks. Like Disneyland snacks? Uh, in general. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so this one also is another grad night casualty. Uh, and you would think that with all the grad night deaths at Disneyland, they might have canceled it altogether. Yeah. But nope, 2004, that's where I spent my high school grad night. Wow. 2004, barely born. Yeah, you're so young. Um, I was... <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Uh, I was not there for my high school graduation. <laughs> I, for grad night, for grad night. Oh, I th- thought you didn't graduate high school. That's what you're going to say. Listen, I did okay. graduate high school just barely by the skin of my teeth, which is a gross saying. It is gross. I don't think it should be a saying. No, I don't think so either. I'm going to, that'll be the last time I ever say that. Okay. <laughs> Sweeping declaration. Okay. Um, it's interesting that these deaths uh, happen at grad night. You don't hear that when, um, some, if you look them up, you'll it, they'll just describe how the death happened, but they don't always have all the details about why people were at the park that day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, a lot of these deaths happened when it, there was a private party. And then the grad night thing, three of these deaths happened at grad night. I feel like as a high school kid, that would be information you'd want to have, like, the high school kids are so stupid. I know, but they would love that. Like, I know. Guys, <laughs> did you know that three kids died at grad night before? Guys, like, let's go. High schoolers would love to have that information. I didn't know that when we went. You would have loved it. Little, little weirdo I would have loved Stacey. It. Little freak Stacy. <laughs> um, all right. Anyways, so it was Friday, June 3rd, 1983, when 18-year-old Philip Mark Strawn drowned in the waterway in Frontierland called the Rivers of America. It was his birthday that day. Oh, man. Which is pretty sad. Um, And Phil had also graduated from a high school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, called St. Pius X. He and his schoolmates were being chaperoned by a private tour company for their trip. Uh, So normally grad night is surrounding, like, local schools. But this one, I guess they brought in schools from other states. And then it was a public, or not a public, it was a private tour group company that chaperoned them. And they were put up in a motel the night before and brought to the park via buses. I cannot stress this enough. Yes. I would not want to work at Disneyland on grad night. It seems sketchy. I feel like it's a lot of just, like, things don't smell good. Yeah. And I feel like they're cleaning up a lot of boys drawing penises on like walls oh, interesting. or rides because their high school boys are so dumb i feel like that's more of a junior high thing what's the difference yeah <laughs> well so <laughs> it was just past midnight when phil's body was pulled from four feet of water in the rivers of america anaheim authorities were called in and police sergeant william donahue said phil was with a friend and they had snuck into a restricted employee area and had taken a rubber boat with a small motor that is used by park staff for maintenance. They attempted to make it across the 50-foot-wide wa- 50 river to Tom Sawyer's Island, but did not make it when they hit a rock and Phil was thrown from the boat. First of all, how fast are you going? Pretty slow, I imagine. I mean, it's like a little rubber dinghy, like, like maintenance boop, 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 boop. boat. That doesn't seem right. I'm going to poke holes in it. Well, you'll understand maybe why this could drown in just a second when okay. I explain what happened. Okay. So Phil's friend, Stephen Schwalm, said he also was thrown from the boat, but was able to make it to, uh, safely to shore and alert park staff. Phil's body wasn't found for another hour. Upon autopsy, it was found that Phil was intoxicated. His blood alcohol content was 0.19, which was nearly twice the legal limit. Damn. So that... I don't even hit 0.19 until, like, the evening time. (laughs) Well, this is, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'm there then. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think that explains uh, a little bit why he drowned more easily because he was pretty drunk. Yeah. Um, so the California legal limit now is 0.08, and at that time in 83, it was 0.10, so it was a bit higher. But wouldn't it be 0.00? He's a kid. No, because 
Um, actually, the drinking age in 1983 was 18. It didn't change until 1984 to 21. I want to go back and double down on something. Yes. I would not want to work at Disneyland. There you go. On grad night with a bunch of drunk right. grad kids. Yeah. Just trying to be macking. Well, at least they can't buy alcohol in the park. I feel like that would make it worse. That they guess, be getting drunk at the park. They have to get drunk before they come in. And then they got to bring it, too. They got to bring it in, I've yeah. definitely um, been to Disneyland and seen, I don't know why there was such a long line to get into Disneyland one time, but there was, in the evening time, and some group of hooligans, <laughs> hooligans. drinking what I know wasn't water. Maybe Gatorade. She's giving me, like, creepy eyes. <laughs> No, those are my normal eyes. Okay. Uh, you know, you're draw- You're bringing in stuff that looks like, oh, it's just water, it's just Coke or whatever, and it's yeah, it's the alcohol. It's the alky. Yeah, it's the drink. Well, either way, even though it was legal for these 18-year-olds to be drinking, he was still pretty drunk, almost twice the legal limit. So the next year, in March of 1984, his family, uh, Phil's family, decided they wanted to sue Disney for allowing an intoxicated individual into the park. His family also wanted to sue the tour group that arranged the trip. Called They were called Academy Travel Bureau because they weren't overseeing the kids like they'd promised. Oh, yeah. Where, where were these? Uh, where were these? What are they called? These were chaperones? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where? not doing their job, no. clearly. So Phil's friends said they had gotten drunk in their motel room before the bus came to pick them up. Phil's parents argued that the tour group leader should have noticed how drunk their son was and not allowed him on the bus, right? Step one. Later, when they got to the park, the kids were outfitted with jackets by Disney staff, and there the staff should also have noticed how intoxicated he was and done something about it. What kind of jacket? Okay, listen, I was was wondering if you were going to ask me about that. Okay, so (laughs) I read... In a newspaper, I read that in a newspaper and was like, why were they outfitted with jackets? What does this mean? So I looked into it, and back when Disneyland started grad night in 1961, there was a strict dress code for all high school grads. They had to be dressed in casual dress attire, and if they were not, they'd be taken to a wardrobe trailer just beside the entrance gates and given proper garments. What? So we definitely didn't have to do that in 2004. That's nice. We should go back to that. That seems really nice, doesn't it? Gentlemen, don't be afraid to... Just put an effort in. Yeah. You know? Just wear a nice jacket. I understand that you think it's cool that I look like I just got out of bed. (laughs) It's not cool. No. I'm sorry. You look like you just got out of bed. And why is that appealing at 4 p.m.? Just class it up. Class it up. Put on a jacket. A nice... And and like a fitted jacket. It looks nice. Yeah. 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 Like a nice jacket. The reason I was laughing, though, when you said it is because I thought they were like, okay, you guys are all from this shitty tour group we're not gonna take care of you but uh everyone put on these yellow jackets you're fine oh so uh, you can find each other oh, right in case they get lost yeah like neon like glow in the dark Did, have you ever done that before what um you and your family all been wearing something matching so that you can find no. each other no we should have done that i come from a huge family <laughs> lots of children running around lots of toddlers any of us could have just been snatched yeah that's true No, we never tried to do that. Um, So this lawsuit that um, Phil Strawn's parents had brought against Disney, um, the lawsuit failed. um, And there's no evidence that Disney paid them anything. But um, I did read that they uh, did win a lawsuit against that tour group. Good. Which that, I feel like they'd have more of a case for that because that tour group was responsible for them. Disney 
it's not really Disney's job to make sure that no, you, it's you know what tough. I mean. Like, and, and and who's to say when he was drinking? Because what if he actually wasn't that drunk at the park gates? He got he really got drunk when he was in the park. Yeah, right. So who's to say when he got as drunk as he did? Yeah. Anyways, all right. So let's move on to our next death. That comes Why are you smiling? 1984. I don't know. Ugh. It's weird. I'm a creepy, I'm creepy still person. I'm years from being born. You're so young. <laughs> what so, is wrong with me? I don't know. I, I don't know why you say so that. Bad. It's like such a weird. I know. So this one comes uh, less than a year later on January 3rd, 1984. 48-year-old Dolly Regina Young was riding the Matterhorn at 3 p.m. that day. Um, a ride that we know has already claimed another life before. We talked about that in part mm-hmm. one. Um, she was ejected from her seat and struck by another bobsled and killed. <gasps> this one's this one's pretty freaky. Oh. Um, Dolly. I guess I'll continue not riding the Matterhorn. Yeah. Well, it's an uncomfortable ride. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to ride it. Anymore. No, never. Anyway. I'm not afraid to die. And I'm afraid to have my knees be bruised and... Yeah, I'm not afraid to die either. I, as we discussed, I'm very young, but <laughs> my body is so ruined. <laughs> I'm the body of a hundred year old. You do. I can't get in that ride. <laughs> Ugh. Just the idea of it is making like my shoulders tense up. I gotta, I don't know, stand. <laughs> um. Okay, so Dolly was from Fremont, California and was visiting the park with her friend, 41 year old Sally Johnson and her four children who were visiting from Tempe, Arizona. Sally and her children sat at the front of the bobsled and Dolly was sitting at the extreme back. So at that time, the ride utilized three-inch nylon mesh Mm seatbelts. And when the ride started, Dolly's seatbelt was fastened. Are these like, sorry to interrupt, are these just like like the clasp is plastic and you squeeze to release? You squeeze the sides, like two sides to release? I'm not sure if it's the side or if it's the front. I'm not sure. Either way, we're talking about kind of a shitty seatbelt. It's just your kind of standard seatbelt, not the lap bar. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seatbelt that you have to manually put on yourself. And yeah. Um, So Dolly's seatbelt was fastened because it was park procedure to check it twice before the ride began. Once when guests boarded and a second time right before departure, which is still how they do it now at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Um, However, when Anaheim police detective David Tuttle saw Dolly's bobsled at the accident scene. Sorry, what was his last name? Tuttle. David Tuttle. Cool. Good for him. Good for him. (laughs) Weirdo. Um, When he saw her bobsled after the accident, her seatbelt was not fastened. So it's never been clear if the seatbelt was fastened to begin with. Maybe she fastened the seatbelt in the middle of the ride, took the seatbelt off, or she never fastened it to begin with. Either way, she ended up with the seatbelt off. And it wasn't a seatbelt malfunction. That's something that would have to manually have been taken off or not put on in the first place. So, Whoa. But no, it's it's never been made clear what exactly happened. Um, so, But the ride is designed so that if something or someone falls out of the bobsled, the, the bobsled that they're riding, The ride stops within 30 seconds. And so when Dolly fell from her car, her car continued to move forward, but all cars behind came to a stop within 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. So after Dolly's death, the police report was actually released to the public the very next day. And that's because after the stabbing of Mel Yorba, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, um, the public is really concerned now when someone dies at Disneyland. It's a matter of public concern and, and the authorities want the public to feel reassured. So... Um, in the police report, which was um, 
I, I was able to read all about it in a newspaper. There and, was a and family. And you did. And I did. I read all <laughs> the newspaper articles. There is a family that's listed there as the main witnesses of this accident, which oh. is awful. They were from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, man. Uh, they were the... Uh, the Pishner family, and they were riding an old aerial tram that no longer operates at the park. You brought this up before you'd asked about this in our last episode. Yeah, it was called the the Skyway, which is like um, it's like a ski lift that goes around Disneyland. Yeah, they still have that, I think, at the San Diego Wild Animal Park or Safari or whatever it's called. Now. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the Skyway at Disneyland closed in 1994. There's actually a video of me, little baby Stacy, riding the Skyway when I was Aww, little. Was what cool. kind of stuff were you saying? I don't know. Just like, I'm so smart. Look at me. Listen to me. Talk about how smart I am. Probably. Ugh, obnoxious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. Um, so um, what's important here is that the Skyway used to go right in the middle of the Matterhorn. So the Matterhorn is that big, iconic snow-covered mountain and it went, i'm not gonna like whatever you're about to say it went but right I in the do middle wish this ride still exists it sounds fucking cool i know it's awesome okay but it went right right through the matterhorn and so you would be able to ride over bobsleds as they're coming through the mountain and be right overhead and this family was going through right as this accident happened and they were it was very helpful to police because they were great witnesses. They had, a, like, the best view, but I think they were wrong place, wrong time. So um, so this poor family. This uh, is kind of what I was talking about in the last episode about secondary victims. Yeah, like, for sure. You're just going to always have that image in your head. Oh, yeah. These people are messed up forever. Oh, that's awful. So it was 44-year-old Don Dean Pishner who was riding the Skyway with his two daughters, 15-year-old Cindy and 19-year-old Helen. Oh, man. Helen told the police that she, quote, saw a woman bouncing on her back on the tracks of the Matterhorn, end quote, which is awful. And then she, quote, saw a sled pulling away from her but did not see her fall from the sled, end quote. Helen said it looked like the woman was trying to get up, which is, makes me so sad. She, she saw the second bobsled come and she turned her head so that she wouldn't mm. see the woman get hit. Don said he heard his daughter Helen scream, quote, oh, my God, someone fell out of that car, end quote. And he yelled to both of his daughters not to look. Oh, my God. It's really awful. Um, the people in the bobsled that struck Dolly had their own horrifying account. Yeah. They said they could see her body on the tracks oh in front God. of them lying feet first. Their sled ran her over and then immediately stopped. So within that 30-second period when something falls out of the sled, mm-hmm. um, right as it ran her over, that's that was the 30 seconds where then the ride stopped. And so um, it ran her over and stopped just over her upper body, and then her legs were sticking out the Oh, back, my God. Which is awful. Uh, as a common idiot. Yes. Um, very stupid. Not a mechanical engineer. No. I would suggest to Disneyland yes. that the if it takes 30 seconds for them to stop the car, yeah. then the next car should not have more, like, should not have less than 30 seconds between the two cars. Yeah, I wonder about that. That seems very dumb. Right. Maybe they changed that because they did revamp the Matterhorn, but not until yeah, much. Yeah, to make it bumpier. Not because of this accident. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't because of this accident, though. Um it also, um, it's crazy to think about, and maybe maybe this is also a stupid comment. I assume it is. But it's kind of <laughs> crazy to think about, like, I wonder how, however the buckle unbuckled, 
or the seatbelt unbuckled. I wonder how long it took between that and her falling out. Yeah. Um, because I feel like now the rides, if you try and unbuckle, yeah, there's probably a computer sensor. Right. That says somebody just unfastened their yeah. seatbelt and then the ride stops. And then they're like, you got, and you stop immediately. Right. Maybe. I don't know. I think it depends on what ride. I don't know. I don't know either. I just so feel like, like I'm always stopping on Honda Mansion. I was just going to say Honda Mansion stops <laughs> every five seconds. Yeah. Um, that's so, fine. Cause I like when they say doom buggy, your doom buggy, please remain in your doom buggy. <laughs> Okay, so when I read uh, when I read this part, I found it for me. This was kind of frightening. Dolly's friends, the mom Sally Johnson and her children, that were riding in the front of Dolly's bobsled, they had turned and looked behind them just before the ride started, and they noticed Dolly. And when the ride was over, they turned back and noticed Dolly was gone, which seems so freaky to me. They immediately started screaming and trying to get the attention of Disney staff, which just seems awful. And then especially when you find out that that person died, it just, oh, that's so freaky to turn around and then someone's missing from a ride. That's a bummer because I feel like it tarnishes what would otherwise be their last view of her, which is somebody like probably pretty stoked to be on a ride. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Yeah. The ride operator, William Kaminiak, he heard the screams. He noticed the breakdown spill alarm had shut down the Matterhorn, which is the thing where if something falls out, um, the Matterhorn stops. And he ran up the mountain to the bobsled that had killed Dolly and saw only her legs sticking out from the back and the rest of her body was under the vehicle. Two other employees were running up to that same spot and William told them not to look. Another witness, Richard Beliveau, was riding with his family, and as they came up to the body, they thought at first that it was a prop for the ride, but then realized what it was, which is awful. So, like I said before, no one would really know if Dolly had fastened her seatbelt to begin with or if she took it off later, but police did consider that it might be a suicide. They asked her friends if she seemed, quote, despondent, but they said, no, not at all. There's no way. And the death was ruled an accident. Yes. Uh, and I'm not trying to make this any more than it is, but it's weird that she was sitting. Oh, wait. No, there's not, there's not that many seats in Matterhorn. I was thinking it's weird that she was sitting because when you say she's sitting in the far back. Yeah. Was there anybody between her and her fam, her she, friends? When the way it was described, in, in fact, it was described that she was at the extreme back of the bobsled and each bobsled seated eight people. So then that's weird. Well, yeah. So there was a gap between her her friend and the kids and her and so other newspapers actually reported it as her being in a bobsled by herself at the very back because she was sitting alone but really she was just there was just a little bit of space between her and that's weird those kids it is kind of weird yeah i don't know sometimes the back of the ride can be a little bit more exhilarating because it's oh. like you're getting whipped around maybe that's Ugh. why i don't know yikes so <laughs> do you feel good about saying no, that i don't no i well. don't so the death was ruled <laughs> As an accident, and her official cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. The ride was closed for the rest of the day, but it was opened up again the next day. Gotta keep those people happy. Well, Disneyland maintenance crew had determined there had been no mechanical failure. The ride wasn't actually dangerous for people to ride. It's only dangerous if you take off your seatbelt. Yeah. So the police report stated that bobsled number 22 carried Dolly, and bobsled number 10 was the one that had struck and killed her. And that bobsled was taken out of operation for maintenance and to determine if there were any issues with it. Uh, The one that was carrying Dolly, I mean. Um, But as we know, well, I mean, I I looked it up to make sure, but the Matterhorn has since undergone massive renovations. In 2012, they actually replaced all of the bobsleds. So you can't ride bobsled number 10 or bobsled number 22 because they're all different now. And now they... 
Do they still have the numbers in rotation? I'm not sure how they number those. I would take that those out. Those cars. Yeah, get the numbers out of there. Just, <laughs> just get rid fine. of it. It's fine. It's fine if you fine. don't have 10 and 22. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We know 10 and 22, but I feel like a lot of people, again, you'll hear the story like, oh, some lady died on the Matterhorn. Did you know? And that's all people really, yeah. that's Until how this episode get. comes out. When the 500,000 people that listen to this yes. show yes. hear those numbers, they're going to be like, nope. I'm not writing 10 or 22. <laughs> and then they're going to be in line at Disneyland and 10's going to come up and they're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to ride that. And they're going to, the person next to them, because, you know, you've been in line for a while. You all want to talk to each other. Right. It's going to be like, why aren't you getting on this one? Why are you letting me go ahead? And you're like, oh, I listen to this show called Kim Knows Nothing. It's yep. a podcast. You think yep. it's really great. And they're like, yep. how do I listen to podcasts? And then they take their phone and subscribe for Such them. Such a long story. And then they don't also don't get on the on number 10. I was going to say, which one do you not want to ride? The one she was in or the one that hit her? Um, 10 or 22? Neither. Okay. I also don't want to ride any of the other ones. I don't ever want to ride the Matterhorn. I don't want to ride the Matterhorn. It's very uncomfortable. I feel like they replaced it with worse it's, things. It's worse. They were like, it's cool. It's the same ride. It's actually a little smoother. That's what they said. It's a little smoother. It's not. Except for now, they just throw boulders at you <laughs> as you go. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dolly's family, um, they filed a lawsuit against Disney for $5 million. Her husband, John Young, said, quote, My wife was not a frivolous or daring person. She was not some young kid that would have stood up on the ride, end quote. He believed her seatbelt was not fastened and park staff never checked it either, claiming that he had letters from other park guests who were there that day who said staff had not checked their seatbelts either. Ooh. And in 1988, four years after the accident, as the lawsuit was about to go to trial and jury selection was beginning, Dolly's family was approached by Disney um, for a settlement, and they agreed to settle. Um, Disney was going to pay them, but the settlement would have to remain a secret. Um, And according to court papers, the family was planning on submitting bloody accident scene photos, and they would be seeking the judge's permission to inspect Matterhorn cars for safety defects. So my theory here is that Disney didn't want bloody photos of the Matterhorn to be entered into the public record. Yeah, that's fair. And so they're like, listen, little stinks would find it. Oh, yeah, I'll find those photos. (laughs) So to save themselves the hassle of that, they decided to settle. So our next death wouldn't happen for another 14 years. Can we do an episode, All the Deaths at Hogwarts? Because plenty. Deaths at Hogwarts? Yeah. Got to be on the grounds. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking about uh, how many there would be. (laughs) So many. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So this one I remember really well because... My family at this point, we all had passes and we're going pretty often. This is 1998. So I remember when this happened and it really freaked me out. Um, and it's it's the first one where my mind goes when I think about Disneyland deaths. Um, so it was 33-year-old Luan Fee Dawson who was visiting from Duval, Washington with his 43-year-old wife, Lu Tui Buang, their 7-year-old son, Antoine, and their 9-year-old grandson, Andrew, on Christmas Eve 1998, which is really sad. Oh. That it was Christmas time. Luan worked as a senior testing engineer for Microsoft, and they had been looking forward to their 10-day trip, especially since the boys had never been to Disneyland before. It was 10.40 a.m. when he and his wife and the children were waiting in line to ride a ship called the Columbia when a metal cleat came loose and he was hit in the head. The Columbia is an 84-foot-tall ship that looks like an old pirate ship, and it cruises around the rivers of America in Frontierland. 
Kim, you know what that ship is. It's yeah. just a big ship. Have you ridden it? Um, no, I will never go near it again. <laughs> yeah, so this one's, I think... No, I've never ridden it. It's on a, li- a very small list of things I haven't done yet. They but, also uh, use it in the Phantasmic show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one is, I just think, really sad because this man and his family were literally just standing waiting to get on a ride, and he just died because just standing waiting to get on a ride. Um, so let me describe how this happened and bear with me. There's like nautical jargon. Every time they described it, it was very confusing. I had to look up what they were saying. Um, uh, (laughs) what if someone was like a cool pirate? Yeah. And then when they were talking about, oh, I'm going to go do boat stuff. Yeah. He was just like, ah, nautical. Like radical. Oh, nautical. Oh, nautical. Can I get a boo on that or? Um, yeah, I'll boo myself (laughs) actually. Yeah, yeah, I deserve that. that. Was, I definitely deserve I mean, you but, can start saying that. Start saying nautical, but people will laugh at you. I will be completely honest and tell you that I have actually done it a couple times. It does not go well. <laughs> As, okay. I mean, that's kind of just the story of my life. <laughs> All right. So the way this accident happened is when the Columbia comes into dock or when it moors, that's a nautical term. I kept seeing that and I was like, what? When it moors? No. Okay. (laughs) No. That's fine. There are ropes called mooring lines that need to be fastened to metal cleats that are on the bow or the front end of the ship. So these are just... Mooring. Mooring. Oh, boy. Here's what I don't like about this. Yes. Just say front of the boat. Yeah. Back of the boat. Don't say bow. Don't... Just... That's... That's... That's pretentious. I know it is. The cleats are T-shaped so that a rope can easily wrap um, around it. You've probably seen it if you've seen a boat or been on a boat. I've seen Titanic. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, um, yeah, so the boat is coming in and the rope is attached to the dock and they're going to take the end of that rope and tie it off to a cleat at the front end of the ship. Um, But this ship uh, at the time, the large ship, was coming into the dock uh, a little bit too fast, and sometimes that happens for whatever reason. There's just different variables. Rough waters out sure. there on Rough the rivers of, rivers of America. It was moving a little too fast, but when this happens, there's a standard procedure in place, and that is that the ship's helmsman, again another term, which is kind of like the 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 captain, but there's not really a captain. Um, he or she will overshoot will overshoot the dock to give it time to bounce back and slow down a bit before the rope lines are secured. Because otherwise, um, if you were to fasten those ropes, the ship is coming in too fast. It's going to bounce back a little bit on the dock and and then move back really fast. And your ropes are going to snap. Uh-oh. But so that actually can happen. But the ropes are designed so that they do snap if there's too much tension. Mm-hmm. But this happened. The boat was coming in too fast. The mooring line was secured when it shouldn't have been secured. And then instead of the rope snapping, oh God. Um, the metal cleat was pulled from the ship and it flew 15 feet into <gasps> the crowd of people waiting to get on the ship. This is a nine pound metal cleat. Uh, and physics. And physics. I don't We're know what physics are of it, but 15 physics. Feet, 15 feet, nine pounds of metal. Nine. That's 4,500 Don't try to do math right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking off so. the distance. What if all of a sudden I was really good at physics? You just like were a savant. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Okay, so Kim, this is a grisly part. This is freaky. Okay, I'm not excited. Okay, so the metal cleat hit Luan Dawson in the face and neck, and his autopsy report said it actually ripped away a portion of his uh. jaw 
and there was a substantial amount of blood. Yeah, I would imagine. Which is awful. It also hit his wife, Lou, in the face, and she was severely injured. Lastly, it hit the cast member, a.k.a. Disneyland employee, Mm -hmm. who had fastened the mooring line. It hit her in the foot, and she was going to need reconstructive surgery. Wow. Luan did not die right away. He was taken... Oh, man. He was taken to UC Irvine Medical Center and remained in a coma for two days before the choice was made to remove him from his respirators. He actually... They actually kept him on the respirators for two days because there were family members who were going to fly in just to see him. Okay. And then they decided to pull the plug on him. Okay. And he died on December 26, 1998 at 9.30 p.m. The only thing I could... After Christmas. Yeah. It's really sad. The he, only thing I could say that's like a little bit, uh, n- not nothing about this is positive, but um, he probably, if he was brain dead, if yeah. he was on a respirator, he probably just immediately as soon as that um, cleat hit him. He was probably out. Yeah. yeah I that, imagine. Yeah. So the, like, the all man was like, oh, he was probably in so much pain, but he probably wasn't. He probably wasn't. He was probably out, knocked out, and then that was probably it for him. So Ugh. I don't know. I mean, it's really awful, but also you're standing there waiting for a ride at Disneyland, and then that's it. You're done. Yeah. It just seems worse, actually, for all the survivors and witnesses, yeah. I would think, and his family members. He had Stuff been di- like that is often. Yeah. <laughs> like when, you know, the it, it's awful when somebody passed away in a completely freak accident, but then he, that was it. Yeah. His kids and it's yeah. Christmas and his wife and his wife, uh, the cast member who like that totally not her fault, but the guilty you just would feel. Yeah, and they they weren't doing anything wrong. These aren't people who took their seatbelt off in a ride. These are people who are just standing, just there. just standing there. So um, he had been declared brain dead at ten fifteen a.m., which was his official time of death that day. Um, so Luan's cause of death was a brain hemorrhage and skull fracture. His wife, Lou, recovered and was released from the hospital on January 2nd after having minor reconstructive surgery to part of her face. Oh, man. The Disneyland employee who tied the rope to the faulty cleat was 30-year-old Christine Carpenter. Her left foot was severely injured, and she needed at least 10 surgeries to reconstruct it. What? Which is crazy. When you said surgery, I thought one. No, 10. At least 10. Because I I read in an article that she had, had nine surgeries and then was about to get a 10th. And then, and then it said that she was going to need more. So it's, it's probably more than 10. Christine was an assistant manager in Frontierland and was filling in for an hourly employee that day. She had not been given the two-day training required for operating the Columbia, mm-hmm. even though she had filled in for other staff members before and had docked the ship successfully about a dozen other times. But she didn't have that training. There is specific Columbia ship training that you're supposed to have. Yeah. Do you think that... For what's it called when you're not the captain, you're the what? The helmsman. Yeah. Do you think that? Because um, they're just kids, you know. It's like Disneyland. It's like just a bunch of kids working here. There's three, uh, no, that's not yeah. true. I guess it's you know, it's all ages. But yeah, I'm saying, do you think that some of these people like go home and they're like, oh, it's tough out there, the life of a helmsman on the ocean, the rivers of America, and their moms like, you work at Disneyland, the boat operates itself. Eat your cereal and shut up. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think it's on a track, isn't it? I don't know. There's only three people that work the Columbia. It's only three. What? That's yeah. a big It's only ship. three staff members. That's what I read. Not during Fantasmic. No. Because you got to have Peter Pan floating around there. Peter Pan. What's uh, that accent? 
Peter Pan. Okay, cool. Thanks for doing it again. <laughs> Captain Not Hook. explaining it. Oh, it's the Captain Hook accent. Sort of. Okay. So <laughs> in this situation, the paramedics were immediately called, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until 26 minutes after the incident that the police were called. Um, and Disneyland came under extreme scrutiny because the police weren't allowed to enter the park until three hours after the incident, which is crazy. That's so long. <laughs> An Anaheim police Why? detective, he was not allowed on Disneyland park grounds and instead was led into a conference room where he had to sit and wait until he was permitted to visit the scene. And by that time, all the blood had been cleaned up from the Columbia's dock by Disneyland personnel. The police collected no evidence at the scene, but later they were given the metal cleat that had broken in two and had been confiscated by Disneyland staff. And they were also given two teeth that were found, which is, oh, which is really gross. Oh, that's maybe the worst thing I've heard so, so okay, far. So I want to bring up that it, this wasn't really mentioned um, in all the stuff that I read, but I was thinking about it. So Disneyland is trying so hard to protect their guests from seeing blood and gore and all that stuff. Meanwhile... Mm-hmm. They're making their own employees clean up blood. And I doubt that anybody who works at Disneyland Aww. is prepared to clean up blood from a death scene. You know who they needed? What? Amy Adams. Right. Sunshine Cleaning. Sunshine Cleaning. Well, yeah, that's why you let the police in, too, because yeah. they have the police nowadays don't do crime scene cleanup. They have private companies that do it. But you can bring in the appropriate people to clean up blood. Yeah. And it's not just blood. It's blood from knowing that somebody has just been killed well i guess they might not have known at that time because he, he was in a coma but either way i don't know you have what sounds happened like you probably know right away <laughs> i think yeah so disney has gone to all this effort to protect their guests but what have they done to their staff members who now are traumatized for life even if you're a janitor even if you're part of their medical staff or whatever still you're not yeah. prepared so that i think is really disappointing on disney's part but that's anyways just saying so that it, really sucks anaheim police lieutenant john harrigan Anaheim. Thank you. No. Anaheim. <laughs> Police Lieutenant John Harridan said that he actually stood behind Disneyland's policy of not letting them in, and he didn't see anything wrong with what they did. He said the detective had to wait and be briefed before being brought to the scene, so that's why he had to wait in a conference room, and the park staff were directed to clean up the mess because it was, quote, unsightly. He didn't believe Disney was trying to cover up criminal misconduct no i mean i think you know yeah there's there doesn't seem like there's a question of like how did it's not like um the woman on the matterhorn like right you kind of know what happened yeah i guess i i do understand that they are trying to prevent one a pr nightmare yeah and more importantly you know people from seeing it but also they're they just don't what are you doing? Disney spokesman Ray Gomez said the scene was cleaned up out of courtesy to our guests. Um, and the police dropped their investigation and determined that no crime had occurred. But the public backlash that happened after hearing that it took so long for police to arrive meant that later, Disney agreed to having an Anaheim police officer permanently stationed at the park. Um, and as far as I know, that policy is still in effect. So there is Anaheim PD in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have... Like a secret, like little station somewhere. If they walk around undercover or there, what they if do, you but go to there. Toontown, yeah. <laughs> if you go, I love Toontown. <laughs> there's there's a cartoony looking police station. That's probably it. <laughs> it's just like Donald Duck. Yeah, he doesn't have any pants, but what he lacks in, pa- in pants, he makes up for in just like anger. Right. And he just yells so at anybody angry. breaking crimes. He's so angry. Breaking crimes. Breaking crimes. 
So <laughs> breaking crimes on the cast. I <laughs> um, like myself. You're good. You're doing a good job. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're good. Thank you. Um, and so because an employee was hurt, the State Occupational Safety and Health Administration, um, or Cal OSHA, was mm-hmm. called in to investigate as well. They came to the conclusion in March of 1999 that Disney was at fault for the accident due to improper employee training, and they would be required to pay a $12,500 fine, which at that time was the highest amount that they were allowed to fine any business. Okay. Um, It was later determined that the wood around the metal cleat was badly deteriorated and a lack of regular maintenance of the ride let this fact go unnoticed. Upon inspection, it was clear that this actually was not the first time the ship had been improperly docked and it was just a matter of time before this accident was bound to occur. Uh So that the the wood around the cleat and the cleat itself were in bad shape and needed to be replaced and other cast members I read, they had noticed this and had brought it to people's attention but nothing was really done. They had made some cutbacks. Disney had made some cutbacks so they were short on staff. Disney is, and this is a fact. Yes. You can look it up. Quote me on this. Google it, okay. Hand to mouth. Disney is living hand to mouth. They have no money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuckers. Um, So the ride had been completely shut down uh, for about six months, and it finally reopened in the summer of 1999 um, after this accident. They did make improvements to the Columbia, including adding instruments measuring speed, improved communication methods for the three-person crew. So when the helmsman's going to overshoot the dock, well, actually... That's not going to happen now because I'm going to tell you what they changed another one of their policies. But again, it was a miscommunication because the helmsman, the the woman tying down the mooring line should have heard from the helmsman, hey, I'm overshooting the dock. Don't tie down the line quite yet. But there was no communication. Um, So there's better um, communication methods as well as a new rule that mooring lines um, are only to be tied off when the boat has come to a complete stop. So no more waiting for the ship to, you know, it keeps moving and we're tying off this rope. Yeah. Disney also reinstated lead crew members for every ride in the park. That was something they had previously phased out in a money-saving That seems effort. like the dumbest. Yeah. Pos- Look, Disney. Yeah. Come here, Disney, for a second. Just listen. And I understand that you're probably very upset about these two episodes. But listen. Yes. Just have, you have the money. Mm-hmm. You're not paying your employees well, I assume. So just pay the minimum wage to have a fucking lead person on the ride always. Always. It's not going to cost you that much money. I can pay their salary in pickles and pretzels. Pickles and pretzels? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you like that jalapeno cheese-filled pretzel. Yeah, buddy. So after this incident made national headlines and really alarmed a lot of people, legislators started making it their mission to get laws on the books that would require Disneyland to pass state safety inspections. Because believe it or not, prior to this, the state of California didn't regulate theme parks at all. I don't believe it. There was no regulation. So Assemblyman... That seems bonkers. Right, until, yeah, until 19... Well, until the year 2000, they weren't... There were no, like, theme parks were sort of setting up their own rules, Do you and the think state wasn't involved. also wanted to continue not doing this, but they were like, the world's going to end in 2000. That's probably so, a lot to yeah, do with it. Let's just say, for PR sake, yeah, we'll do this in the year 2000, lol. How about February 31st, 2000, <laughs> lol. We got him, Johnny. <laughs> So Assemblyman Tom Torlakson, authored, yeah. he authored a bill that was signed by California Governor at the time, Gray Davis, in September mm-hmm. 1999 and would go into effect in 2000. The new legislation set statewide safety standards for... Well, theme- S's. Yeah. 
set statewide safety standards for theme park rides and required all theme park accidents to be reported to authorities, a practice that had just been voluntary up until then. So now any accident that happens, whether it's a death or not at Disneyland, has to be reported. It's like an official thing. And before that, they didn't have to report them. So there actually could have been more deaths at Disneyland that we don't know about because nobody, there's no oversight there. Disney, uh, you know, the the deaths that had occurred, enough people witnessed them, enough family members were impacted that we heard about it because it made its way into the news. Um, But there's no official record at that point. Disney just kept their own records on it. Bonkers. Bonkers. The Disney cast member, Christine, who tied off the mooring line, her foot was permanently damaged and she had to walk with a cane. Mm. She always wanted to go back to work at the park, but because she was now essentially disabled, uh, Disney gave her a job where she could work from home on a laptop, which seems really sweet. And then in October of 2000, um, uh, Luan Dawson's family was awarded a secret amount and a settlement from Disney. Experts at the time estimated that the settlement was probably around $20 million is what the family got. That'll make up for it. Yeah, that'll bring back your family member. So let's move on to the next and final most recent death at Disneyland. Kim, how long ago or what year do you think was the most recent Disneyland death? What year? I don't know. I'm really sad. I know you're sad. Um, that last one was in 98? 98, uh-huh. Uh, 2004. Oh, very close. Really? 2003. Whoa! Wow. Okay. <laughs> Why am so, I doing that? Yeah, I don't like that. Me neither. So this death comes just five years after that death in 98 of Luan, of Luan Dawson. On Friday, September 5th, 2003, a 22-year-old man named Marcelo Torres from Gardena, California, was riding Big Thunder Mountain when an accident occurred, killing him and ten and injuring ten others. Oh god! I know. I thought. I, I listen, said, killing one him is and, awful, but killing holy him and ten shit. others. If eleven people oh. died, jeez. Okay, so Big Thunder Mountain is a high-speed outdoor roller coaster that opened in 1979 and is meant to be—it's like an old mine train from the old west. This one goes pretty fast and is one of my favorites because I love roller coasters. It's the wildest ride in the wilderness. It is. Um, it goes pretty fast. Kim, how fast do you think it goes? 123 miles per hour. Give a real guess. Um, 45? 47? Well, okay, so I looked it up just because I was curious. It of goes 35 you. at its max speed. Wow. Which it just seems like it goes faster than that. You know that. why? Why? Gotta watch that goat. You gotta watch the goat. Yeah. As it's going by. Mm-hmm. So Marcelo Torres. There are a lot of animals at Big Thunder. Yeah, there are. As a wilderness gal. Um, there's myself. more there's more on splash mountain uh yeah but it's splash. an animal ride <laughs> and some of them are from america sings as you learned in episode one i did and if you are just learning that fact that's because you didn't listen to the first episode that's right you screwed up okay so marcelo torres was with his uh his buddy 22 year old vincent gutierrez and they had decided Aww. spur of the moment that when two female friends from out of state were in town visiting they were gonna go spend the day at disneyland with the ladies with the ladies Thunder Mountain was the third ride they'd gone on that day. The four of them got onto the ride and were all in the very front car together. Um, Marcelo, whose family called him Mars, had just celebrated his 22nd birthday only five days earlier on August 30th. I feel like I didn't want to know his nickname because now I'm even sadder already. Now you're more connected. (laughs) And he and Vincent had a graphic design business together. Um, Oh, man. I know, it's sad. I like this guy. 
He seems nice. There was a photo of him that Aww. I saw. He looked really Does sweet. He kind eyes. Very kind eyes. So the mine train is several open air cars all attached to a locomotive at the front. Locomotive is just, it's just for looks, really. The locomotive doesn't pull the train. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the locomotive with, like, the chimney, the choo-choo part, like where mm-hmm. the, the... Life on the choo-choo is Life hard. on the choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so the accident happened on train number two when an axle came loose and the front car of the train disconnected from the locomotive in front of it. Um, so let me just describe... This is hard to... It's hard to visualize how this happened. And I looked... I had to look at a diagram to really see. So you've got... I'm not even going to use my hands to describe it to Kim so that it makes sense okay. <laughs> to our audience who can't see my hands. Okay, so, <laughs> so you've got the mine car, which is right behind the locomotive, and something slipped, you know, uh, some screws came loose, essentially, and the mine car slipped underneath the back of the, the back end of the, of the locomotive and went under the locomotive, oh. under the back of the locomotive. So what happened to Marcelo, he was sitting at the very front, he was actually crushed by the back of the locomotive so it kind of they kind of got sandwiched underneath it basically is what happened which is just awful um was he sitting by himself no he and vincent were in the front and the girls were behind them so vincent was pretty badly injured because you if you haven't ridden the ride before you sit two people yeah two and two yeah four to a car the ride uh was making a sharp right turn and approaching a tunnel when the incident occurred um so oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So Marcelo's head and chest went into the bottom of the back of the locomotive, which broke his ribs, lacerated his lungs, and he bled to death almost immediately. It was a pretty mm. quick death, but okay. pretty awful. His friend Vincent suffered bruises and cuts on his face and broken ribs, and nine others suffered injuries as well. The accident was determined to be caused by poor maintenance of the train by park staff. There were loose bolts on the cars, and Disney staff had failed to pull the faulty train out of rotation. Actually, Why? Yeah, so a lot of cast members mentioned how they heard weird sounds. And in fact, Vincent, the friend of Marcello, he um, said that they, when they were on the ride, they could hear some sounds like metal grinding on metal, like bad oh. sounds. And you could tell something is about to happen. Everybody could tell something is going to happen. If you see something. See something, say something. Yeah. that I mean, that really is what this comes down to because, um, yeah, Disney staff, they were planning to take that train offline because there were problems, but they didn't do then, it. Then uh, I'll get around to it. Yeah, I'll get around to that. Um so the state of California came in and they took video of the accident scene. It's not gory. There's no blood. It, everything was cleaned up. But you can see mm-hmm. them walking through the tunnel. You'll see the train is all messed up. And you can see the site of the accident. I looked it oh, up on YouTube. Of course you just did. Just interesting to see. <laughs> I would not want to see that. Oh, that's yeah. just heartbreaking. So um, now this incident actually, uh, Disneyland did everything right as uh, when it comes to talking after. about the authorities. And yeah, after, yeah, they didn't do anything right when it came to ride maintenance. But paramedics were on the scene within two minutes. The authorities were also there to seal off all of Frontierland. So they cleared everybody out of Frontierland and sealed it all off. Um, and then the ride was shut down until March of the next year for maintenance. But um, Disneyland even called a press conference with Michael Eisner and they... They released the police report and the 911 calls, and they basically did everything to the book that they should have done in all these other accidents that happened before yeah. that. Um, 
So they treated it like a matter of public concern. It makes me wonder how cell phones have changed Disney's policy. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because in 98, there weren't as many cell phones. Definitely your everyday person isn't going to have one. Cameras on the cell phones. Right. So in 2003, you have a a lot of people have cell phones. And Mm -hmm. Disney beforehand, whether or not the authorities are going to be called is up to Disney. Yeah. But now in this instance, before Disneyland can even make that decision whether or not they want to call the authorities, like their part guests are already doing it. Yeah. And already dialing 911. And if they're, even if they're not. Yeah. They're already taking a picture and posting it on Twitter. Yes. That's the other part of it, too. They're already hashtag trending. (laughs) Now they would do that. 2003. No. No Twitter. Al Gore had not yet invented Twitter. Oh, that's how that works, right? Internet is a series of pipes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, and in December of 2005, a secret settlement was reached, and Disneyland awarded the family of Marcelo Torres an undisclosed amount of money. I'm assuming it was a lot of money, but again, it was a secret settlement. So there hasn't been a death since 2003. Cool. Which is, that's the longest run. That good, good job, Disney. Had. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I think having the state come in and have, like, regulate these parks, it mm-hmm. seems like that's made them safer. Yeah. But also the prevalence of cell phones and just people's awareness, you know, now. And I feel like that makes Disneyland more hyper aware. Yeah. And they're probably more diligent. I was riding Space Mountain once. Yeah. And you know how they have, you have the cars on the track? Yeah. And then there's also that little side area where if you're in a wheelchair or something. Yeah. And you're, you can ride, you're clear to ride the ride, but you can't necessarily like get up and climb. They have a way for you to do that and still ride the ride. Yeah. And for some reason they put us in that car. Yeah. And then you just kind of slide onto the track and go. Yeah. And so that was already kind of like, oh, this is a weird thing. We got on and we pulled down the lap bars and I was like, this lap bar does not feel right. And I told the guy, yeah, something about my lap bar doesn't feel right. And he just was like, ah! And I was like, what is happening? That's not a reaction. <laughs> and then we rode through Space Mountain, and it was legitimately terrifying. And I tried to tell the guy right before, yeah. hey, something's wrong with my lap bar. See something, say something. And he was just like, I'm a teenager. Maybe they took that car out of rotation after you rode it. Probably not. Probably not. No one seemed to take it seriously. (laughs) It was really scary. (laughs) All right. So we talked about 11 deaths at Disneyland. Pretty sad stuff. Kim, Mm -hmm. what are your final thoughts? I have multiple final thoughts. Hang on one second. Uh, Hey, it's me, Kim. Hi. Um, I just came over with my final thoughts. Yes. Um, Number one, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Very important. Yep. Disney, spend the money. Yeah. You have so much money. Just spend the money. Yep. And this is the point that I actually do, like, no joke, I really do want to drive home. Um, there is a pretzel stand <laughs> in uh, Frontierland. Go there. You Ask can, for Johnny. You can also get that pretzel on Main Street. Go there. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well Stacy, you've sufficiently ruined my favorite place. Always. That's what I'm here for. So, Kim, why don't you tell us about all of our social media things? We are at Kim Knows Nothing on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And .com. Yep. Uh, Stacy, I don't do any work for this podcast. No, I nothing. just show up. Yep. I don't even have, it's not even at my house. Stacy 
does it all and she sets up everything and she does incredible research yeah um all of that's online so you can go to kimknowsnothing.com and you can see links there and then twitter and facebook will have those plus additional links as well and uh you can contact us through any of those as well indeed and leave us a review in your podcast app because mm-hmm. reviews means more people will get to see us listed when they search for we don't want to lose our harry potter sponsorship that's so right please do that harry potter the wizard himself mm-hmm. sponsors us the boy who sponsored Oh, my God. <laughs> All I right. I don't regret anything. Uh, we are also taking a two-week vacation uh, for the holidays, for the wintertime festivities, the rest of us for the rest of us. Indeed. We'll be back in the new year. We'll see you in 2018. Thanks for listening. We love you. I don't know them. <laughs>